It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. The Blue Jackets have one more stop on their three-game road trip. Right now, they are 1-1. One and one. They got a win in Arizona on Thursday over the Coyotes. Had to go to a shootout to get it done, but they did get it done. And then on Saturday, it was disappointing because the Blue Jackets had a 2 to nothing lead pretty early in the first period at Las Vegas against the Vegas Golden Knights, and they lost the game by the final score of 3-2. to two. So that one was disappointing, but you do have a chance to get a win tonight, and that would give you two wins in three tries on the road. And, you know, Meatloaf said it, two out of three ain't bad. First, I've got to tell you about Telhio Credit Union before I get to all of your questions and give you my answers. Telhio Credit Union has been around for a long, long time, and they have been taking care of the people in central and southwestern Ohio, and they've been doing that in many different ways. Basically, though, what it comes down to is allowing you to get more for your money, do more with your money. That's really what it's all about. And if you'd like to find out more about Telhio Credit Union, number one, why should you join a credit union? The answer to that question and many more that I'm sure are on your mind are at Telhio. Uh, you can find it at Telhio Credit Union. Yeah, dot org. Let me try that again. You can find those answers at Telhio Credit Union dot org. It was a long day of travel, long day of travel from Vegas to Buffalo, I guess. But uh, go through their website and just click on the different tabs. You'll be able to find uh, whether it's a checking account, savings account, uh, personal loan, business loan, whatever it is. Find out what they do and what they can do for you. And if you can't find the answer to a question during business hours, there is a live chat option on the right-hand side of the screen. Tell Ohio Credit Union, Again, open to everyone in Central and Southwestern Ohio, and they are federally insured by NCUA. All right, time to get to your questions. I always start with the voice questions I get emailed to me at Bobby Mac, B-O-B-B-Y-M-A-C, at bluejackets.com. It's very easy for you to do. You can either record your question as a voice memo on your phone, or you can record it as a video, and I can grab the sound right out of that. Cameron Maynard, he does it a lot, and here he is with the first question of the day. Hey, Bob, it's Cameron Maynard here in Four Seals, Kentucky. I got to tell you, I loved listening to you call the game on the radio last night, even though we lost. I really appreciate it that you mentioned my name over the air. And um, listening to your games on the radio is something that I'm going to do a lot more going forward, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, another thing I'm looking forward to is the play of Alexander Texier going forward. You know, he deked out Laurent Brossois for that nice goal last night. He gave us a glimpse of the player that we all thought he could be, you know, when he first arrived in Columbus. And last couple of years, he hasn't really lived up to expectations. Even though he only has one assist on the year, he has six points. He's got six a six one seven line and a plus minus rating of two. Do you think that he could be becoming the player that we all hoped he could be when he first arrived in Columbus? Right now, I mean, I've hoped that he could. I mean, he's really coming on strong this year, and it looks like he's on the rise. So. I mean, I think so. You know, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And also just a strategy for the Blue Jackets, get the puck to the blue and make sure Boone Jenner is down there every single time because, you know, the toughness and grit of Boone Jenner is just something that you have to love. You know, that's something that we saw, you know, in that game where he had like three goals or whatever 
all on rebounds down there in the blue, and he can outmuscle anybody of any opposing team for a goal down there, down low, where you have to do the dirty work. And that is a recipe for success for the Blue Jackets. I think that they have to do that a lot, you know, if they want to, you know, to, to, to win the amount of games they want to win this year. I think they have to utilize that strategy quite a bit because, you know, it's proven successful. It proved, proved successful in that game against, like, Colorado or Arizona where you had three goals. I forget what it was. But, but, but yeah, just a strategy for success going forward. I look forward to you answering my question and addressing my thought on Boone Jenner. Thanks, Bob. All right, Cameron, let me answer in reverse order. First of all, your strategy. Get the puck in the blue paint of the crease and allow Boone Jenner to put it in the back of the net. That's a great strategy, and we've seen that happen so many times this year. Boone has nine goals. Most of them are coming just like that, and it's not just Boone that needs to do that, and this is why I think that Boone Jenner is such a valuable player for this team and for this franchise because he is a true blue jacket you know if I was going to brand it that's the way I would do it and I think that that's not just true of him I think it's a lot of the players on this team I think the attitude is finally right on this team I think the compete level is good on this team they make mistakes and mistakes cost them games and that happened on Saturday night I'm not talking about that I'm talking about um, and I said I wasn't going to talk about this again but I'm going to do it I'm going to break my own rule here um Players not wanting to be here, they're all gone. Those players are gone. Some of them wanted to be here, and they're still gone because they were part of a core that had already uh, lived up to its full potential, and now it was time to change the core and change the direction. But through it all, to me, Boone Jenner is a true blue jacket because he plays with grit, and he fights. He is relentless. All of those things that you want to see out of a player, a guy that wills his team to victory. The Arizona game last Thursday night, that was Boone Jenner putting the team on his back and willing it to victory. No question. I think Zach Wierenski is a true Blue Jacket, not just because he decided to sign a long-term contract and stay here for a long, long time. It's because of his commitment and his dedication and the way he plays. I think that Zach has upped his stock as a defensive defenseman. We always want him to be that offensive guy, and he's really good at that. But I think he's becoming more of a well-rounded defenseman as well. So, yes, the good strategy is to give it to Boone Jenner down low, but there have got to be some other guys that start to look at that example and start to do the same thing. Even if you are a very skilled shooter and goal scorer, it never hurts to go right to the front of the net and dig out one of those rebounds because – that is going to show up on the stat sheet the exact same way as that nice wrist shot that you took from the top of the right wing circle. They're all goals. So sometimes maybe if you're struggling and you're a good shooter, if you're an Oliver Bjorkstrand and you're you're struggling to score goals a little bit right now, get down there. You know, get get down there in that area. And uh, well, he plays with Boone, so Boone's already there. So maybe that's a bad example. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. There are a lot of good goals to be had. In that area. So that strategy, Cameron, I can't fault you on that. I mean, it's it's a strategy that has been working, not just this year, but for a long time with Boone Jenner. Now let's go to the earlier part of the question, Alexander Texier. Are we starting to see the Alexander Texier that we thought we should be seeing all along? Here's what I want to say to you, and I want to be really, really cautious here because I thought Texier, that goal that he scored, that shorthanded goal against Mark Stone, I thought it was exceptional. I, it absolutely 
positively exceptional on that goal. And he does have the ability to do that. There's no doubt about that. Um, it's a great play. I think penalty killing, he has really uh, found a craft there in penalty killing. I do. I, I think he has found a comfort zone when it comes to that. Uh, when you score a shorthanded goal or you're the a threat, you are a threat to score a shorthanded goal, people have to pay attention to you. And Mark Stone uh, will pay attention to Alexander Texier forever after the goal that uh, Texier undressed him on and went to the net and scored the other night. So he is doing a good job in areas. Where, where I said I'm going to tread a little bit lightly here is let's just – Put it out there. I say this all the time. Well, you know, Brad Larson doesn't really have lines one, two, three, and four. He's just rolling four lines. Yeah, it sounds good. And when guys are playing well, then it looks like it could be true. But can we be honest? Can we be very honest here? Listen, uh, the Sillinger, Chinikov, and Voracek line is, if it's not number one, the only other line that could be number one right now is Jenner, Bjorkstrand, and Nyquist. All right? So those two, those are your... Top six. I don't. You can't argue with me on that. There's no way. You can try, but I will bury you in that argument every single time. Those are your top six. When you get beyond that, Sean Corrali, Eric Robinson, Alexander Texier, in my mind, is labeled as a third line. And then you've got, right now, it's uh, Roslovic was with Domi and uh, Danforth. That's your fourth line. So... That's the way I would put them. I would put the Sillinger, Jenner, um, Corrali, and then Roslovic. All right? And you can roll them. That's fine. You can roll them. But in the big situations, you're going to go to your bigger players, uh, your bigger name guys, quite frankly. So where am I going with all this? Alexander Texier is playing third-line wing. So when you ask, is he living up to the potential that we all thought that he had? I'm inclined to say no. Because I think he's a top six player, and right now he's a top nine player. And again, he's he's been playing well lately after he was really not very good the first couple of weeks of the season. So I don't want to discourage, but to answer the question honestly, no, not yet. Now, with all of that being said, what he has found is a home on that wing with Robinson on the other side and Crowley in the middle. Those guys just work. They work together. And I don't think that it matters if it's a third line because of the way that they all work together. So on this team, at this time, they are working well together. He is getting results, especially, as you stated, when it comes to goals. But the overall answer, is he coming into his own? Is this the guy that we always thought was here? I'm still going to say... I think that guy was expected to be a top six guy. And I'm not even going to say a centerman. I'm not. Because I know that, you know, Torts always said that he would be a centerman. They started him this year as the top line centerman. It didn't work out. He has a home right now. He's doing a really good job right now. And I think he, like so many young players, needs to become comfortable and confident in his role. And when he becomes so comfortable and so confident that he's no longer thinking he's just doing, then perhaps you would consider giving him another role. But the way the other lines are working out, there is no role to be had. So, again, my answer to your question is no, but the overall where he is and what he's doing is very positive. 
So I hope I've explained that. I hope you understand. I'm not bagging on the kid because he's doing a great job. But is he to that level yet? I still think there's more there. I think there's more to give there. And as long as he's playing as well as he is on that line, he really doesn't have to get to that more because uh, what he's doing right now is so good. So that's my opinion on that. Let's go to Twitter. At Bobby Mac Sports is where you can find me on Twitter. And uh, here, oh, by the way, can I just explain here? Cameron said that I said his name on the air during the game on Saturday night. I did that because every so often, it's not all the time. It's usually in special situations, a big game, or, you know, the other night we're in Vegas and you kind of wonder who's listening late at night, a game that's starting at 10 o'clock at night in the Eastern time zone. And I'll just say, hey, let me know where you're listening from and just – Hit me up on Twitter, at Bobby Mac Sports. Actually, I don't know if I've ever said hit me up on Twitter, but okay, hit me up on Twitter, at Bobby Mac Sports, and tell me where you're listening from. And Cameron was one of the many that did that. And if you were one of them, thank you. I appreciate that. It's, you know, you wonder, right? When you do what I do, uh, you wonder who's out there. Sometimes you say, am I talking to myself? And then all I have to say is, where are you listening from? And I never have to ask myself that question again because you guys just show up, bang, right there. And Cameron was one of those people. So that's that's why I said his name. I didn't uh, – I just want to explain that to you. I wasn't uh, saying anything disparaging about him. <laughs> I wouldn't. It's a joke, Cameron. Um, but so listen, if you're ever listening to the game and, and maybe it'll be one of those nights that I do that, feel free to get that tweet to me and let me know. All right, so let's go to Lauren's question. Lauren says, when John Tortorella was here, there was a focus on defense where the current team has been more offensive. Do you think that's because of the new players, the new coaching style, or both? And do you think that they went back to the defensive game too much against the Vegas Golden Knights? They, um, they're more offensive-minded because I believe of the players and the coach, quite frankly. And I think they feel that they are talented enough that – they can use offense to play defense. If they have the puck more, if they're creating more pressure and the other team doesn't have it, then that works in their favor. Using offense to create defense in a weird roundabout way there. You get it. Um, but did they go back to their defensive game too much? No, I don't think they went to their defensive game too much. I think they just went somewhere other than where they were because the the thought process for many plays, it wasn't one player I can't narrow it down to one guy or two guys. It was like they had the two to nothing lead and Vegas started to push. If you would have said to me by the first official timeout of the second period, the first commercial break of the second period, and it was two to nothing, if you would have said to me, who's going to win this game, I would have guessed the Golden Knights because they were down and they started to push. And as they started to push, as they started to ramp it up, the Blue Jackets started to do things that they don't normally do. They started to, in some ways, panic. They started to uh, make plays before thinking about those plays. And it's very easy to do. It's a tough, tough building to play in, quite frankly, because those people were just waiting. And they were the energy level was coming. And their players were playing harder. And that energy level just kept coming after that. And... You could just tell. There are some nights that you can just honestly tell, and that was one of those nights. And I kept saying, every time the Blue Jackets got a power play, this would be a great time to cash in on this, and they never did. And they weren't good on the power play, 
And as Brad Larson said after the game, the power plays where he has his top talent and they didn't execute well enough. So it was a group effort. It was a team effort and it was unfortunate, but um, yeah, I, I don't think that they went into a defensive shell. I, I thought they, they tried to do too many things, actually, maybe too many cross ice passes, too many cute plays instead of just going with what works. They didn't react well to pressure in that game, individual pressure where maybe a defenseman's getting a heavy four check brought to him and, made a bad pass or, or passed the puck before he took that extra tenth of a second to think about what he was doing, uh, whether it was a forward that was making an extra move at the blue line, whatever. There were a whole bunch of different examples uh, in that entire game. But I, I think that – I don't think it had to do with, you know, getting into any kind of a defense. I, you can't – Lauren, here's the other thing. You can't say a team is going into a uh, – defensive mindset when they're giving up three four five breakaways whatever it was during the game that that's not that's not defensive minded or that's not happening that's everybody you know pushing all in at the other end and then making a mistake and turning the puck over and it goes back the other direction Jody says what do you think that it will take to get Jack Roslovic going well um that is a, a a good question and I'm going to Piggyback another question off of it because it, it deals with the same subject. Peyton Ratliff says, does Roslovic's play this season look similar to Alexander Wenberg's play when he struggled the last couple of seasons he was with the Blue Jackets? Do you think it would be a good idea to make him a healthy scratch for one or two games to get his attention about his play? So one question says, what do you think it'll take to get him going? And the other one, do you think you should scratch him? Let me combine them in this way. I don't think that you're going to get his attention or get him going by scratching him. I don't. I don't think that's fair. And, again, let's just put it out there. He is a centerman, and what that gives him is a chance more than some other players that are wingers because there are so few centermen here. And you could do something like put Max Domi in the middle, but again, Max has had struggles with his two-way game as a center since he joined this team. So they don't want to do that. I know they want to leave Jack out there and they want to keep giving him the reps and they want him to start getting his offensive game going. And I'm sure that he's disappointed about that. Everybody wants to score goals. But with that being said, you know, he's done a pretty good job in helping his line mates get better too. Does he look like Wenberg the last couple of seasons? Here's what I'll say about that, and, and you may have a different view on it than I have. Alexander Wenberg, let's not forget, was a first-round pick of the Blue Jackets, was expected to be a number one centerman with the Blue Jackets. That was the expectation from the day he was drafted. Jack Roslovic was drafted by the Winnipeg Jets, and even though he was acquired in a trade by the Columbus Blue Jackets, he hadn't played a lot of center in Winnipeg. He hadn't played a lot of center overall. And last year he did play center and there were deficiencies, but he overcame those with his offensive abilities and had a really good season in that bigger type role. Okay. So Winberg was always meant to be a centerman. Roslovic was meant to be a centerman on this team, maybe because they are so starved for players that can handle that position well. Maybe if there was a, a strong core down the middle, Roslovic would be playing on the wing. 
So my whole point of this is I can't really compare them. I, can you say, or the question is, does he look like Wenberg the last couple of years? Yeah, but you always expected so much more out of Wenberg because he was that first-round pick, right? He was Yarmo's first first-round pick. Yarmo had three of them that year. And there was always going to be a lot of focus on Alexander Wenberg, good, bad, or indifferent, because he was that first guy taken by a new general manager. And it didn't work out. He, he's a very good player. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. He was a great third-line center. The problem was he was being paid as a top-line center, or at least a second-line center. So the books didn't jive. And that's why they finally had to make a decision on that. Uh, not because he wasn't a good guy, not because he wasn't a guy that contributed in some ways. It was just, you know, the the salary cap part of it. it didn't all match up. And Jack Roslovic, he's, again, I, to me, it's just a different thing. It's a different thing. Can he play better? Yes. Have we seen him play better? Yes. Right now he's centering the fourth line. And nobody's really saying boo about that, the way it's going. And if he's... You know, doing things like winning faceoffs, which he is improving in that area. Um, if he improves in his two-way play, then you get some goals and more responsibility will come. But we can't look at – and some of you might be saying, well, you know, you say that Winberg was looked at as the number one centerman. Jack Roslovic was supposed to be the number one centerman in between Jake Voracek and Patrick Laine in training camp. You might say that. You might believe that. It might be something that you are very adamant about. But no one ever said that he was going to be. Oh, you may have read it and you may have heard it, but you didn't read it in a quote from the head coach. You didn't hear it come out of his mouth. Last I checked, it was only media and pundits saying that Jack Roslovic would be on that line. Did I ever say it? Before camp, did I ever say it? I don't know. If I did say it, it would have been speculation. It would have been drinking the Kool-Aid of what everybody else was writing and talking about, I guess. I don't remember if I said it or not. I don't. You would remember better than me, especially some of you, because if I say I'd never said it, There'll be some of you, at least one of you, that would say, oh, you said it. You said it, and you said it on this day, on this show, and, th and that's fine. That's fine. I, just, I don't know if I said it. But Brad Larson never said it. So I don't look at him like he's supposed to be a number one centerman. It would have been nice, but they just they never went that way from day one. From day one, he was third line, and... Now maybe fourth line. And, and this is after I said that you don't number lines, and then that's all I've done this whole show. <laughs> so I'm a hypocrite with that, I guess. But anyway, you know what I mean. Look at, the, look at the time on ice, and you know what I mean. So it's frustrating for Jack, I'm sure. It's frustrating for you because you want to see him score. His teammates want to see him score. He wants to score. His coaches want to see him score. I want to see him score. But on the same token – there are things that he's doing, so you live with it for now. As it goes on, are they going to want – are they going to need that production from him? Not want. Everybody wants it. Are they going to need it? Yes. Yes, as things go on, this team will need that. Um, uh, Salah 
says, I have a question about injured players and how much they are part of the team. Wait, let me let me start that over again. I didn't I wasn't reading it right. And that's why I like the voice questions, because you do it yourself and they come out. But but let me get this right. I have a question about injured players and how much they are part of the team when they are not able to play. Do they travel with the team to road trips? What is the policy? There. See that? I fixed my own problems, and now you can understand it. Uh, do they travel? It depends upon the injury and whether or not there's a chance for them to come back soon. If there's a chance for them to come back on a particular road trip, then they will travel and they will skate whether they play or not. Like, let's just say that there was an injured player on, well, there, there was Max Domi. Here's a great example. Great example. Max Domi's in the COVID protocol. So he makes a trip and then he gets activated during the trip and then he plays. Now he made the trip because there was the possibility that he would be ready and could be activated. But if it was, you know, right in the middle of his, whatever that time frame is, you have to miss X amount of days. Well, and well, now this is becoming a bad example because yeah, if you have COVID, if you're tested positive, you're not going to be allowed around anyway. So let me, uh, let me put it this way. Patrick Line, he's got an injury that has kept him out for weeks or it, is going to keep him out for even more weeks. So he is not traveling. He is not part of the group. Uh, all the stuff that he is doing at the arena is separate from what everybody else is doing. And players will tell you, when you have an injury like that, you feel like you're on your own because you're, you're not part of the meetings. You're not in the room. You are on your own particular rehab program. So you don't feel like you're a part of the group because you're not a part of the group and it stinks. So like a Patrick Line, not traveling. Now, flip side, Emil Bemstrom, similar injury, oblique strain. I, I, I say similar, but they, they were the same injury. I don't know the, the extent of, you know, what the difference between Emil's was and Patrick's is. And anyway, but Bemstrom early in the year didn't travel because he had that injury, didn't travel, stayed and continued to do his rehab work at home. Now he's on the trip because he's getting closer to where they could put him on the ice. So that's your answer. If there's no chance of you playing, in most cases, not all, in most cases, you don't travel. Sometimes there can be an exception. Maybe you're a veteran guy that is, is going to be just good to have around and everybody wants them around. So they, they will make exceptions at time for that at times for that. But the general rule of thumb is if you're injured, you're not traveling unless there's the possibility you could return throughout the course of a trip. All right. So I hope that that clears it up for you. Um, let me see. What is our next one here? This is from assistant coach Christo Philophogus. I hope I said that right. I don't know. Anyway, it's a very easy question. Where does the team stay in Vegas on the strip? And do they get some downtime? Um, not really. Not really, because we played Thursday night in Arizona and then flew to Vegas and got in late at night. And then there was a practice the next day at the Golden Knights practice rink. And then they had a game on uh, Saturday night. And then yesterday, it was a late morning flight to Buffalo. So not not a lot of downtime, but, you know, no off day. But, uh, you know, there's there's time to get together and have a meal and 
be with your teammates and all of that. But, uh, yeah, not a lot of downtime. That's And there won't be. There won't be a lot of downtime. I mean, the schedule is extremely busy. Uh, look at this week, if you don't believe that. Mike the Fireman says, if you can, please refer our family's prayers to Patrick Line for his family's loss. And that's very kind of you, Mike. Uh, Patrick losing his father, unfortunately. Uh, you know, I just talked about that he's injured, and that's not good for him. You know, he's not being a part of the team right now, and now he has a, a personal uh, tragedy in life, which is um, we all feel for him, every single one of us. So, Mike, thank you very much. Uh, when I when I see him again, and I don't know when that'll be, but uh, I'd be happy to pass that along. Here's a tweet from Christy. Says, what was your favorite meal in Vegas? Now, Christy has already tipped the scales on this one because she has a picture of uh, me because I walked in to where her and her husband and their friend were having breakfast on Saturday morning. I thought, well, there's a place. I know it has good breakfast. I know it's toward the arena, and I know the Ohio State game will be on there. So trifecta, right? Nine o'clock in the morning in Vegas. I can go and do that before going to practice. And uh, I walked in, and they flagged me down right away. I, I just walked in, and I was looking to to see if I could find a place at the counter to sit. And uh, all of a sudden, Bobby Mack, Bobby Mack. And I said, I saw them over there, and they waved and went over and sat down. So that was my favorite meal. That, that, that was, without a doubt, to sit down uh, with uh, some of you and, and just talk. And, and, and we had a good time. They were doing some... Um, they were, they were enjoying life early in the morning with the, the football game on and the hockey game to come later at night. And, um, you know, I couldn't have as much fun at that time as they did. But I enjoyed the conversation and enjoyed uh, watching them enjoy their trip to uh, Vegas. So, so it was great. So there you go, Christy. That was, that was it in a nutshell. Um, David Lytle says... Uh, great job this year. I especially love the Alexander Texier stone cold call. Yeah, I mean, he, Mark Stone, he left him stone cold when he made the move on him and undressed him there in the right wing circle. Uh, David says, does any other NHL franchise city have a track record of producing NHL players like the AAA Blue Jackets? I've never seen anybody get tossed. Uh, well, hold on a second. There are two separate questions. Um, a lot of NHL teams have affiliations with um well travel teams and maybe maybe i'm hesitating here because i don't know if it's uh necessarily triple a in the way that yeah well triple a leagues triple a leagues so uh a lot of teams are affiliated in a similar manner as the blue jackets and there are a lot of teams that uh crank them out after I, I read this question earlier tonight, and one guy that jumped to my mind, because it, it's easy to, you know, you could say, okay, in Columbus, you've got the AAA Blue Jackets. Uh, in Detroit, you've got the, you know, the Little Caesars team and the Honey Baked teams, and, you know, they, they've got good uh, AAA programs. Uh, you got the Barons in Cleveland, and, um, you know, you go on, and the Junior Penguins in Pittsburgh, and uh, a lot of these teams have the – junior whatever their team mascot is so there are a lot of them there there are a lot of programs uh, all throughout north america for this but one that i 
one that jumped to my mind, well, there were a couple in the what they call the non-traditional markets, of course. And Florida was one of those. And of course, the Blue Jackets have a guy that um, that is from Florida and he's playing with the Blue Jackets. And I'm talking about defenseman Andrew Peak. And so I, I read this question earlier and it had already piqued my interest. And I went out to the elevator and a bunch of guys were getting off the elevator and Andrew Peak was one of those guys. And I said, hey, I just I want to ask you something real quick because I want to get this right. I said, so when you played, um, you know, you when you played travel growing up and, and there was a junior Panthers program and that's what he played for. But see, here's the difference. I, I want to specify one of the big differences for you uh, on this as you go throughout the league. With the Blue Jackets and the AAA Blue Jackets, and, and there are also AA Blue Jackets programs, uh, single A. There's, there's single A, double A, and triple A uh, programs all in Columbus. And numerous teams from the single A and double A levels, there's only the one triple A team, okay? So for those of you that may have kids that are going through the, the youth hockey program right now, or if some of you have gone through it, you know what I'm talking about. But for those of you that don't know, there are those different levels. Um, and when you're in Columbus, you have to travel to go play the best of the best. Uh, you know, but to do that, you can go to Michigan and you can go to Chicago and you can go to Nashville and, you know, you, you can stay within that four to six hour radius. If you want to, you don't have to go to Boston every weekend, but sometimes you do. So you're, you're kind of close to where the action is. As Andrew Peak told me, you know, when he was very young and he's like eight, nine, maybe even 10 years old, uh, they're playing, you know, within the state of Florida and they're, they're staying there. But once you get older and you get into one of these programs like he was with, the Junior Panthers, now they've got to start to travel. If they want to face any good competition, they've got to travel. And they've got to travel to the places the AAA Blue Jackets are going to. They've got to travel to Michigan and St. Louis and Chicago and uh, Boston and all of these places. And it's a, I don't think I need to say it to you, if you know anything about geography, it's a long, long way. A long way. Dallas, similar thing. Arizona, same thing. They've got to travel very, very far. I can't think of uh, the name, but I, I know when when my son was coming up through the youth hockey ranks, there was talk that there were kids that lived in Florida that actually would come to Nashville on the weekends to play for a Nashville team. They practiced on their own all week, and they would they would have to come all the way to Nashville just to play, which I thought was ridiculous. Although there was one year that my son played with the Springfield chiller being the, the main chiller and would have to drive over there two or three times a week. And I mean, that was 45 minutes, not a big deal. It's not like going Florida to Nashville, but my whole point to all of this is that there is a lot of sacrifice and all the NHL teams are involved in promoting the game at the youth level and starting at the bottom and working their way up. And the AAA blue jackets obviously have done a really good job of it because there's that big focus on it when you have Jack Roslevic and you have Sean Corrali on your team, uh, that's that's great and that's awesome. But other teams are doing it. You know, we focus on what it is here as well we should. But uh, there are other teams and other programs that uh, really do it as well. The National Hockey League drives all this, you know. Um, 
I just said non-traditional markets before. And, you know, when they were putting teams in Tampa and in Sunrise, Florida, and in Phoenix at the time, and, um, you know, the Minnesota North Stars were moving to Dallas, there were a lot of hardcore hockey people that were saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? This isn't going to work. This is these these teams are not going to thrive. This is not going to work here. And now you have a Tampa Bay Lightning team that has not only won back-to-back cups, but they've won three overall. Uh, you've got a Florida Panthers team that uh, was really good uh, back in the '90s, and looks like it has a good chance of being really good again. And um, you know, you've got a Dallas team that has won a Stanley Cup, and and they continue to be competitive. They were in the Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago. You've got an Arizona team that I know right now they've bottomed out, but they've been in the playoffs. And in all of these places, kids have gotten interested in the game and they have started to play. And that's why you have an Austin Matthews who gets drafted in the first round, who's an Arizona kid. That's why you have so many kids that are coming from those programs in California with the Sharks and the Ducks and the Kings. So... You could say what you want to about Gary Bettman and the National Hockey League and the way it's run. Uh, Everybody has opinions on it. But from this standpoint, talking about the way the game has been grown and it's been grown by teams going into these types of markets and having success and people becoming interested in the game and kids starting to skate and more practice rinks being built in these cities, that has been a tremendous Tremendous success, in my opinion. So, David, that's a very long answer to your question about AAA hockey. But, um, yeah, it's going on everywhere. It's going on everywhere throughout the league. David has another part two here, and he says, I've never seen anybody get tossed from the face-off circle as much as Boone Jenner. What gives? Just, you know, it depends upon if you're trying to get an advantage Remember, we had uh, Jody and I had Boone on the inside edge a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about that, uh, not cheating in the faceoff, just trying to gain an advantage in the faceoff circle. Sometimes the linesman doesn't like the advantage that you're trying to get, and he kicks you out. Um, sometimes one of your teammates moves before they should, and you get kicked out. Sometimes, um, I don't know, sometimes maybe the linesman doesn't like you, and he's looking for a reason to kick you out. There's so many things. Uh, You're right about it, though. Um, But he still stays in there to win quite a bit of them, doesn't he? So, um, yeah, there's there's so many different reasons for it. And and it's not like you can say, well, he gets kicked out uh, when this happens because of this and when this happens because of this. It's just a fluid – it's a fluid kind of thing, right? As the game's going on, um, the officials make decisions. And, and again, sometimes it's not even you. Sometimes – You know, the winger jumped, and he moved early. Or sometimes the guy gave you a little bit of a fake and got you to jump early. So, yeah, it does happen a lot, but, you know, he still is in there for a lot of them and wins a lot of them. So, um, you know, it's it's hard to – and I'm not saying that you were asking, you know, for uh, a criticism of Boone on that, but it's really hard to criticize or hard to find fault. That's what I'm trying to say. Hard to find fault with anything that Boone does right now because it's uh, there have been many games where everything he touches turns to gold. Tonight, the Blue Jackets are in Buffalo to take on the Sabres. 
This is going to be the first meeting of the regular season. During the preseason, the Sabres look just terrible, awful. They have been better than I thought they were going to be to start the season. They've uh, responded to their head coach, Don Granado, who used to be an assistant coach. Last year, he uh, was elevated as an interim coach, and then he got the job over the summer. Jack Eichel is no longer a part of this team. They made the trade and sent him to Vegas. Uh, Eichel is still injured and is getting his surgery or has gotten his surgery, whatever it is. Alex Tuck was uh, the the bigger premier piece that they got in that deal, and uh, he's injured and not back on the ice yet. But just the burden of having that situation has been lifted by uh, – the trade of Jack Eichel for the Buffalo Sabres. Sabres actually played last night. They went to New York and took on the Rangers, and they lost 5-4. to four. And the game-winning goal came with four-tenths of a second left in the third period. So that's what the Sabres are coming into this game tonight off of. They traveled. They had a heartbreaking loss last night. Um, they will be ready for this game, but I think this game, honestly, I think it's the Blue Jackets to lose. Because the Blue Jackets have enough things that they should want to go out there and do after the way they lost on Saturday. Um, Buffalo does not have a good goaltending situation. Uh, Dustin Tokarski is uh, probably going to play because because um, um, he didn't play last night. Aaron Dell, thank goodness, I finally got it. Aaron Dell played last night, and Tokarski didn't play, so I would expect that they're going to get him. So you, you just got to get to the puck to the net. You got to come with pressure and don't screw around. Don't try to be fancy. Don't fool around. Just just go. Just play Blue Jackets hockey. It's a busy week. The game tonight wraps up a three-game road trip. You have a chance to get to 10 wins, by the way, if you get this win tonight. Then you've got to come home and play on Wednesday and Friday, either side of the Thanksgiving holiday. And then you're on the road Saturday in St. Louis, and then it's on to Nashville, Dallas, and Washington. It is a busy end of November, beginning of December. And you can only do it one game at a time. So the Blue Jackets need to come out and grab this one tonight. Not like they grabbed the one in Vegas the other night and then let it slip away. Grab it and go. And don't back off. Don't, don't let them breathe tonight. Be aggressive. Forecheck. Smother them. All of those things. All of them. Game coverage tonight. It is a 7 o'clock game this evening, and you'll be able to hear it on the Blue Jackets radio network starting with pregame coverage at 6.30. Tonight, because of Ohio State conflicts, you'll be able to find the game on 105.7 FM, Columbus Alternative. So make sure that you make a note of that if you know somebody that uh, has been grumbling because they they, uh, couldn't find a game. Make sure you let them know. We'll make sure that we post it on social media and so you know what's going on with all of that. Uh, we'll take care of our part. Please help and take care of your part. So uh, 6.30 pregame coverage, Columbus Alternative 105.7 tonight. Pregame coverage also starts on Valley Sports Ohio at 6.30 this evening. Again, the Blue Jackets have a chance to take two of three on the road. That's what will happen if they can get a win tonight against the Buffalo Sabres. Thanks for all of your questions today. As I wrap up this Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ in 30, it's been presented by Telhio Credit Union. And until tonight, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.